Hi there, listener. It's Matthew. You've come looking for an episode of the Children's Book Podcast, and you've found it. Hooray! But you're probably wondering why the name of the podcast has changed. After eight years of doing the Children's Book Podcast, I began a new career as head of podcasts at A Kid's Company About, where I now oversee a podcast network dedicated to producing original content that talks up to kids, centers the things going on in their world, and engages and challenges how they see the world and themselves. All of the episodes of the Children's Book Podcast are still here, but now, if you're subscribed, you'll get new episodes of Worth Noting, a kid's podcast about current events, hosted by me. Something for you and the young people in your life to enjoy together. Enjoy this episode, and I hope you'll check out Worth Noting and other podcasts from a kid's company about... Support for the Children's Book Podcast comes from listeners like you. Learn how you can support the show and get exclusive access to podcast episodes not released to the public by visiting patreon.com slash Matthew C. Winner. Listen, food, you know, if there's a theme in my life is that food brings people together. It does. (laughs) It all came together with a single throwaway line from a play by William Shakespeare. This is the Children's Book Podcast, episode number 559. I'm your host, Matthew Winner. Today, I am joined by Rajani LaRocca, author of Midsummer's Mayhem. Mimi, the main character in Rajani's middle grade debut, enters a baking competition at her town's newest sweet spot. But things aren't quite as they appear. The baked goods they sell are awful and overpriced. The employees seem to be speaking exclusively in rhyme, and crowds of locals are inexplicably showing up in droves for the bakery's latest confections. Mimi's dad is a food writer and has just returned from a trip abroad, but he won't be any help to her because he's not acting himself, though Mimi seems to be the only one to notice. He has completely lost his sense of taste? Well, it's not long before everyone around her is just acting off, but Mimi is determined to let nothing distract her from creating the most inventive and memorable treats this bakery has ever known. You gotta make Puffy Faye proud. I've been waiting a long while to read this book, and it's just so good, there's no way I could resist kicking off the new year with a read so sweet. Please welcome my guest, Rajani LaRocca, author of Midsummer's Mayhem. Hi, I'm Rajani LaRocca. Uh, my pronouns are she, her, and hers. And uh, I am an author of middle grade books and picture books. And I'm also a doctor, and I live in the Boston area. Yay! Um, and- <laughs> Rajani, I'm glad you're here. Before you say the um and, can you tell me what kind of a doctor you are? I am an internal medicine doctor. I'm a primary care doctor. So I uh, I take care of adults nice. as a doctor, but Maybe. I take care of children as a writer. Oh, <laughs> that's the greatest phrase. <laughs> and we're done. <laughs> oh, my word. That's the sweetest phrase. I take care of adults as a doctor, but kids as a writer. Yes. <laughs> well, I'm so glad 
that we've connected. We connected through New England SCBWI. And yes. um is that where we first connected or was it over the internet? It doesn't really I matter, but was, I think I think it was at New England SCBWI. Um I think I had probably I known you, doing... you on Twitter and then we had run into each other and had one of those very exciting Oh my word, it's you. I see your name tag. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, exactly. That was exactly. you and Ann Braden. I had the same thing with Ann Braden. I was like, oh my word, and you're wearing octopi on your dress. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. She definitely dressed to uh, to match her book. <laughs> yeah. So yes. since then, you've had a middle grade novel come out, and you've got picture books on the way. Um, yes. Midsummer's Mayhem. Yay. Yes. You want to book talk Midsummer's then- Mayhem for folks that haven't read it yet? Yes. So um, it can be described as uh, a an Indian American middle grade mashup of A Midsummer Night's Dream and competitive baking. So it's basically about an 11 year old girl named Mimi who really loves to bake. She's the youngest of four children in her family and her um, siblings are all really accomplished at all kinds of things. And she feels a little bit uh, lost and left out in her own family. But then she hears about a baking contest at a local uh, cafe, and she thinks that if she could just win this contest, she can finally prove that she's not the least talented member of her family. But then her dad, who is a food writer, comes back from a business trip, and he can't tell the difference between delicious food and disgusting, and he just kind of eats everything in sight. And without his help, Mimi doesn't know how she could possibly win the contest. Um, She follows some mysterious music into the woods behind her house and she meets a boy <laughs> yes very mysterious she meets a boy who loves to bake just like her and together they find all these ingredients in the woods and then they bake with them and then everyone around her starts acting really weird so Mimi has to figure out what's wrong with everyone can she fix it and can she win the contest this book okay so there's a clear reference to Shakespeare in this book in fact Mimi's brother is like has a major role in um, *Midsummer Night's Dream*, but I will I will say, (laughs) having (laughs) if I read it, I have not read it since high school. I kept thinking in this book, where is this story going? I could (laughs) not figure the story out, and I loved it for that. The, the the. The, I don't know, magical realism that goes on in this book where everything seems like, well, we could probably explain why this is happening, but no, this is just a little too wild for it to be happening for real. Um, it, it was so delightful, Rajni. It was such a fun read. Oh, thank you. I, that really means a lot to me. I, I had a lot of fun writing it. And you know, Matthew, I never really thought about this story as being like a mystery, but a lot of kids have come up to me and been like, I couldn't figure out what was going on. And then at the end, when it's all revealed, I was like, oh, and I was like, oh, I never really thought about it that way. But <laughs> because because I knew what was going on the whole time. Thank goodness. <laughs> so you didn't plot it in a like mystery structure, which there is absolutely a clear structure for mystery, which might be why it gave it that new feeling, that sense of guessing, that sense of, we got to figure this out. Oh, well, thank you. Poor Mimi. I, I love this girl. <laughs> but I feel like there were great moments that you gave us where where we as the readers are supposed to be just as confused as she in 
in what's going on around her. But man, from the outset to have this dad that won't stop devouring all the things. I was like, poor poor kid. He can't even taste it, but he's just eating it anyway. Yes. Let alone, we always have the, oh, I got to make sure that like stereotype of like, make sure dad doesn't see the cookies. He's going to eat them all. But no, like legit dad can't help but eat all the things. You know what it reminded me of? Um, And maybe this stuck in my head because... It's just a movie I'm obsessed with. Um, but have you ever seen the Miyazaki film Spirited Away? So, okay. Uh, the, no, I don't think I've seen it. No. So the connection you need to know here is that yes. uh, this girl um, in this movie ends up finding herself stepping into an amusement park that appears to be abandoned, but uh, suddenly comes to life. Uh, and her parents in the very beginning of the movie um are with her and find this this restaurant that suddenly has all the food, this like buffet out, and they cannot stop eating all this food. And uh, when the girl realizes that this world is not the right place to be, that there are spirits awakening and she needs to get out of there, she goes to save her parents and they've turned literally into pigs, um, becoming so fat on this food that they had eaten. Uh, and she becomes trapped in the spiritual world, in the spirit world, and has to find her way out. Um, and have to me, in my brain, I'm like, something is going to happen to this dad because he cannot stop eating. There must be some magic afoot that he's cursed. Uh, was uh, to say that to say that there is a thing that sets all of this in motion for dad in particular that I just completely missed. Makes me feel like, oh, good. <laughs> the kids also missed it. Thank goodness. <laughs> Some of them missed it. <laughs> because... Oh, yay. Oh, good. Yeah, I, it's so, that's so funny that you Because <laughs> I, um, yeah, I, you know, when you write something, you always worry that, like, you put too many clues as to what's going on. Uh, or, you know, you haven't put enough clues. But I'm glad to hear that you were wondering. And then, it, but it still made sense when you found out what had happened. I so. wonder, I wonder Rajani, if the if it's that you put in so many red herrings that it just I just couldn't I just couldn't. I was like, well now I, I I thought we were worried about dad, but now we're worried about the two sisters who suddenly these boys are like straight up doing romance, romantic, crazy things with them. It's not a prank. What in the world is going on? So I guess if if, I, if now I'm really having a moment just with you and I'm realizing that like people that have not read your book yet are going to be totally lost. So let me set this up at the beginning. And then I would like to ask you a question about how how you first started envisioning this story, how this story, how Mimi's story started with you. Because for me, the moment that really hooked me was um, this new bakery opens in town for Mimi. Mimi goes in. And gets to taste these cupcakes, and they're awful. So this notion of a of a fine bakery opening up on Main Street um, that that serves terrible food at an overly uh, overpriced terrible food I should put it that way um, yes. was so funny. But to know that they are having a food contest, I was like, oh, this is really funny. They're baiting young chefs to have a food contest. So that they can figure out how to bake food. What a great way to prey on children. This awful bakery. Like what a funny twist on the Chitty Chitty Bang Bang story or something. Like luring children. um, But instead of having them bake for them. And then having uh, this also 
in in that way set set a story for Mimi to 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 have her pursue what does it mean to cook from the heart to put yourself into what you bake not just bake something people will enjoy but but bake something that will make people remember you or or make them ponder uh all the things that that you are pondering uh or remembering when you make that food uh that was that that's where we start so i wonder rajni if that's where you also started with mimi oh yes so when i so i will tell you the the bizarre way i came to this story um when I was a kid, uh, my dad didn't travel very much, but sometimes when he did, he was gone for up to a week. So I had a very overactive imagination and I'm an only child. Um, when he came back from a long trip, I wondered to myself, what if the person who came back wasn't actually him, but somebody who looked exactly like him? Like, how would I know the difference? <laughs> and so like, I, <laughs> I know I'm a very strange person and this is why, this is why I write. Um, I, um, I had like these test questions that I used to ask, like that I knew that only my real dad would know the answer to. And luckily, thank goodness, it was always my real dad. But when it came time to like kind of think of ideas for a novel, because I was like, I'm going to just going to try. I'm going to write a novel. Um, I thought, oh, what if there is a girl whose dad comes back from a trip and there is something wrong with him and she is the only one who notices and then I thought to myself, well, why would she be the only one who notices? And then I was like, oh, what if like, you know, it's a big family and everyone's got all kinds of stuff going on and they're all going in different directions. But she's the one that's closest to her dad because they have this thing that they love that they do together. And that's how the character of Mimi grew. Um, she's a girl who loves food and loves baking. But one of the things that she loves most about food and baking is that she shares it with her dad. And so there's something wrong with him. This is something she loves to do. Um, what What is going to happen when she needs him and she wants to sh spend time with him and he's completely bizarre. Um, and then the other thing that kind of came into it for me was the idea of an imaginary friend who turns out to be real. So that's where the kind of um, speculative, the other, the other half of the speculative stuff came in, um, is that there's an imaginary friend. And I live in Concord, Massachusetts, with beautiful, beautiful woods that seem to be filled with magic. And I was like, oh, I know who lives in the woods. And then at that moment, I was like, oh, my goodness, A Midsummer Night's Dream, the play that I've loved since sixth grade when we read it. Um there is a line from Midsummer Night's Dream that can connect directly to this sweet character that I was working on. And that's how it kind of came together. What is that line? Oh, it's the, it's the line when you find out the identity of oh, the boy. Yes. That's yes. the line that, that holy is the line. cow. That is the line because, because you know, the thing about, you know, A Midsummer Night's Dream is that as fun as it is and is kind of sweet and how, you know, people love this play, at its heart, it's full of conflict. Everyone's fighting each other through this whole play. You know, Titania is fighting Oberon and, you know, Theseus and Hippolyta have only just gotten together and it's because he defeated her literally in a war. And it's like, okay, well, now we're going to get married. And then um, 
uh, Hermia is fighting with her father about who she should marry. And Helena is fighting with Hermia because she likes the guy that Hermia, you know, that, that, that likes Hermia. So there's all this conflict. And um, that is part of kind of what I wanted to channel into this book because it's sweet and um, heartfelt and it's all about family. But there's a lot of conflict. There are a lot of people who are mad at each other <laughs> for a lot of reasons. And um, so I, yeah, I wanted to channel that in. And then the other thing is that that line, when you find out who the boy um, Mimi meets is, is like a throwaway line. But it is the heart of the conflict of the play. And I was like, well, what if that line wasn't throwaway? What if that person was a real person? What would he do? Wow. I got to say, um, and I'm only now making this connection, but I want you to hear it sincerely, that that connection, that line that opens up that truth of your story made me mm-hmm. feel, without doubt, this book should be like one of those Rick Reardon Presents books. Aww. Because of the... I realize he's going through like... Uh, uh, you know, like Greek gods and, and, and Egyptian gods and goddesses. And I get, I get that it's, it's more into that mythology. I get that. But the mythos that you build around this story and these characters and the connection to Midsummer Night's Dream uh, is something that I feel like you, you've done with such reverence and such uh well, I really, because you just described it with such thought that it's not just sort of, I love this as a kid. So why don't I try to make a connection to it in my novel? Uh, it, it's that book and what that book meant to you uh, clearly has a lot of weight in Mimi's story. And it's, that's really cool. Oh, thank you. I, I, I really appreciate that. Um, and I love I love that play for so many reasons, and I'm just glad that this character gets to have a, a chance to shine a little bit. He's he's one of my favorite characters in the book. The Children's Book Podcast is sponsored by Libro FM Audiobooks. So I know many of you have been listening for some time and you know that I am obsessed with audiobooks. And the reason why that is is because one, I can listen to them wherever I go, and two, because frankly, I'm a terribly slow reader, and three, the only time in the day that I've really been able to carve out time to read is after a long day of teaching, after we've prepared dinner for the kids, and we've bathed them, and we've sent them to bed at the very end of the night, that's when I can read, and it is hard to read and get through a novel at that pace. So... Thankfully, we have audiobooks. You know, now you've got lots of options when it comes to buying audiobooks, but what if you could support local bookstores at no extra cost to you? Did you know Libro.fm lets you purchase audiobooks directly from your favorite local bookstore? You can pick from more than 125,000 audiobooks, including those New York Times bestsellers, recommendations from booksellers around the country. With Libro.fm, I get the same audiobooks at the same price as the largest audiobook company out there, but I'm part of a much different story, one that supports community. Listeners of the Children's Book Podcast can get a three-month audiobook membership for the price of one month. 
go to Libro.fm, that's L-I-B-R-O dot F-M, and enter WINNER. With each listen, take pride in knowing that you're supporting local bookstores. how far we can go in this conversation without spoiling things. Are you feeling that too? I know. I'm like, that's why I'm like, oh, I don't want to say the that's line. So funny. <laughs> let me, let me step back and talk about um, the book and its structure. Um, yeah. I am so grateful that, that um, Midsummer's Mayhem got an audiobook, beautifully done, um, gives access to even more readers. That's so wonderful. Um, so yay for audiobooks. Um, but, but I know when you read the audiobook that you miss these beautiful illustrations that Rachel mm-hmm. Suggs does throughout, um, one, your cover, your cover speaks so much, uh, to anime to me. And maybe that's where the spirited away yeah. thought was as well. Right? Rachel yeah. really seems yeah. to have that, that, that voice in her, that that seems to be how she draws and it's beautiful. It really is um, the moments that she has chosen to illustrate to me, um, feel at times more than spot illustrations. They feel like they're, they're helping walk us through your world. Um, Mm -hmm. and that, that, that was a really nice touch. I'm glad that, that, um, that your publisher chose to go that way because, because I mean, one little B makes beautiful books. I get it. (laughs) They do. (laughs) But but to to handle a chapter book in uh, a novel in that way, uh, I feel like was 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 just what it need, just what it needed. Yes, I mean it, I feel incredibly fortunate. They did a beautiful job. Rachel did a beautiful job. Um, it's one of those covers where every single thing on the cover means something, and I it I just couldn't be more delighted. And the interior illustrations add so much to the story. Um, just the way she does expressions and um, even the ones that aren't full page spreads, just the, the, the characters, like they just come through in the illustrations in a beautiful, beautiful way. Yeah. That, yeah. That, that's, it's beautifully done. And um, yeah, I don't know where decisions like that are made, but uh, it, it fit your book wonderfully. I also love that you included back matter in this book. I don't know how you could talk about, food as much as you do without including back matter. <laughs> I was actually hoping that you, you know, that book that she finds um, with yes. all of the, all of the items that are, um, yes. you know, the, 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 the cooking ingredients, I'll put it that way. The, 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 yes. Yes. the herbs and spices and things. I, as I was reading it, I had this like little secret fantasy of what if when Rajani was making this book, she also like made Mimi's spice book. <laughs> oh, I wish I know. Well, I mean, I, um, I mean, I definitely made a whole list of spices that were in there. Like, there's a whole, there's like a whole document. Yeah, but <laughs> that I, is full of like all the spices and all the stories and all of this and that. And yeah, I had fun doing that. Well, and I'm saying and, that too uh, because I think it wouldn't be that far of a stretch for one of your readers to do it. You're talking about about you know readers and grades upper elementary grades three and four and five and Mm -hmm. those are the kids that do those sorts of things Mm. so i know that you've started to do school visits the book came out last summer so you've had this school year so far starting and all that um Mm -hmm. and and books you know 
middle grade novels tend to have a long tail because they're discovered in different ways on bookshelves. But yes. um, I hope that for all the kids that do connect with your book that way and feel so compelled to to explore spices and things like that, I hope that at least one adult in their life snaps a photo of at least one kid doing it and, and tags you because as I read this book, immediately I was picturing readers that way and what fun mm. they they would have in in however their life would would feel to extend your book however that that would carry over into their real world oh yeah i i mean people have sent uh a lot of photos of kids baking things which was one it's just yeah. wonderful and i've um been a part of two different baking contests in local bookstores and they've been spectacular. Kids are so creative. It's just amazing. And uh, I, the things that tickle me the most, aside from how delicious everything is, is sometimes people, the kids just name their items in such a clever way that I'm like, <laughs> you, I just, I want to hug you because this is a great name. And it's just so cute. Um, there was somebody that made um, cupcakes that were frosted in blue with little Swedish fish on them. Um, and she called them pond cakes. Is that not the cutest thing? <laughs> Instead of pound cakes. That's so cute. Yes. yes. Yeah. Yes. There was someone else who baked like an entire tree made out of different colored cookies. And it was just absolutely beautiful. Wow. I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm amazed by, by kids. They really are incredible. Well, it's so neat that you were able to get into events like that with your book as well. That's a really neat connection to be in that world with children. I feel like we don't get a lot of middle grade novels that tie into baking and making food, despite that being something that um, is circulated so much in our nonfiction section. Kids love to check out cookbooks. And I always, every time say, <laughs> if you make any of these, let me know how it turns out, or maybe bring in a, an example for me. <laughs> That's right. Just let me be your taste tester. I can let you know. <laughs> I check out the book to you. You bring me back a snack. You know, it's 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 all good. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I was not um, much of a cook or a baker at all as a kid. I just didn't. Um, I didn't have access to cut. Kind of, like my mom was an amazing cook, but she didn't bake. So, like, if I made something, it was from a, a mix, which was fine. It was delicious. But um, it wasn't until kind of much later in my life that I really got into baking. Uh, actually, my roommate in in uh, medical school was an amazing baker, and I told her about how intimidated I was about baking things from scratch. And she was like, "Ah, oh, you just need to have the ingredients and follow a recipe. It's fine." And sure enough, it was fine. And so then we would bake all kinds of incredible things together. Um, and then I never stopped. And then I had kids, and I shared, you know, that with them. And we we had a ball coming up with the recipes in this book. We really, really did. That's so. And cool. this kind of this, I mean, this goes back to kind of like what, like why this is uniquely my book is because I literally took desserts that I loved as a kid and I turned them into baked goods. And there was a lot of trial and error and some of it was really bad, but <laughs> but most of it was at least edible. And then I think the final products were really delicious. So yeah, there are, it's, it's... Mm. There are things <laughs> that I know that this is like stuff you researched or knowledge that you have or whatever, uh -huh. but there are things that Mimi says in this book and thing ingredients that she tries where I'm like, I have never thought of baking that way before where 
she talks about balancing the sweet with the bitter or doing this or 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 mm-hmm. having having that added um when we mentioned the book of all the 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 herbs i should i should say that this is a book that says you know you add this for memory you add this for joy mm-hmm. uh and that there's a lot to that 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 different flavors can help us reminisce and feel different emotions and um and i feel like more than just a book about ooh i'm so hungry because you're always talking about food this is a book that that i think really respects food in a in a deep way right like from mm, a from a you. from a um yeah i the the word i wanted to say was like from a cultural standpoint but i mean that as a <laughs> as a cultural like the culture of people that like to bake not just to yes. say we should get into talking about um Mimi and India and those connections, but I also just mean food culture. Um and how beautifully you you yes. pay homage well, to that. Oh, thank you. I you know, I really do um I, I guess one of the kind of prevailing themes in everything I write <laughs> almost everything I write has food in it. And I really do think that um when I think about my own childhood, a lot of it, uh, all, a lot of my fondest memories are around a table having a meal with the people that I love. And of course, you know, most of it is about the people, um, but some of it is about the food. Like, you know, when you get homesick for your mom's cooking or when you smell something and it triggers a memory, uh, that is something that, uh, you know, is, is so visceral to all of people, you know, to all people. Um, and then, you know, you when you go to a really um, fine restaurant or a great bakery or something like that, and you eat the food that an expert prepares with intent, like they prepare it with an intention, and you have an experience that was intended by somebody else, I think that's a kind of magic. And I, I that's what I tried to capture in the book. That's neat. That sense of magic being everywhere in the world. We just see it come out in different places. Can you, can you? Walk me through this book's connection with India, both with uh, your decision to make Mimi's family Indian, um, but Mm -hmm. also with connecting to India itself and to to Shakespeare's story and 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 rooting it in India. Yeah. Um, So I made Mimi. Uh, Mimi's family like my own family which is uh, one parent is Indian her mom is Indian and her dad is not and um, part of why I wanted to do that is because families like mine are all over the place and we are you know we're just like your neighbors we're the people you go to school with Um, and I wanted um, my book to reflect that um, our own experience and you know, the other thing that I wanted to do, and I, you know, very deliberately is that it's, you know, being half Indian is not an issue. It's not a problem. It's not anything she has to overcome. It's not like, you know, it's not an obstacle for her. It is um, something that adds, um, you know, a different kind of richness to her life. She's got relatives that are not all in this country. um, And she remembers visiting them and wishes she could visit them again. Um, The, influences of the food from India are pretty strong in the book. So 
um, you know, the, the, there are several scenes where people are eating like around a table in their family. And um, while they're not always eating Indian food, um, they sometimes are. And that's just part of her life, too. And those tastes and those flavors are um, something that is just part of who Mimi is. And, um, and then, like I mentioned, some of the food, some of the food that I describe in this book is literally stuff that I just like I make, or my mom made. And, you know, I, uh, it has a real deep connection to me as a person. And then taking some of those things like desserts, especially, and finding a way to kind of combine them with this more kind of uh, Western baking style um, was a fun challenge for me. And it, you know, it's a metaphor for kind of the life that uh, I've led growing up in this country as an immigrant and kind of melding the place where um, my family came from with the place uh, where I grew up and where I'm raising my children. Nice. Visibility. Yeah. 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 I, I am so glad to have your story seen in that way in Mimi, but also just that, I don't know. There were just things in this, whenever I read a book that is not my own experience, and I'd like to think all readers go through the same thing. But mm-hmm. when you're reading a book where um, you're seeing a family that's not quite the same as yours, or you're um, hearing words that are not quite the same words that you heard growing up, that just sort of makes you lean in a little bit more, makes you pay mm-hmm. attention a little bit more closely. Uh, and I'm really grateful for that. I'm really grateful also that that things turn out okay for Mimi and her family. <laughs> yes. Let's be, let yes. me be clear with that too. <laughs> but, um, yes, there it is. Yeah, but yeah. Um, uh. no, no it, 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 it's good. It's really good. And it made me think if I could just like totally out this reading this yes. book also made me think about going out to dinner with you, Rajani, when we went out to the dinner at the conference <laughs> and being around the table with other people and just having, having before I even mentioned anything on the menu, having you say like, no, I'm going to, we're going to order all these things. Let me tell you what we're ordering and just having someone. <laughs> oh, I hope I wasn't, I hope I wasn't too bossy. <laughs> no, having someone care about food so much that they say, let me tell you what we're going to have. I know that this will be great. Um, <laughs> I yeah. thought that was wonderful. <laughs> you also, oh. <laughs> I don't know. It, 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 I also remember walking away. We went to, I should say we went to an Indian restaurant. <laughs> Not the, just to, just to quantify what I'm about to say next, that we were talking about levels of spiciness and you were like, well, I don't know how we've even said it. If you're talking about like, um, is it going to be spicy for you or is it going to be like Indian level spicy? <laughs> you were, I was like, that's amazing. I've never heard that phrase before. <laughs> Okay, well, okay, I will say it in an even less PC way. You ready? So this is what my daughter says to me. She goes, Mom, like when we go to a restaurant and it's like, you know, it has like a chili pepper next to it saying that it's spicy. She's like, Mom, is it going to be actually spicy or is it going to be white people spicy? (laughs) (laughs) Yep. I'll take it. And I'm like, okay, I will will taste it and I will let you know. (laughs) Oh, that's so good. Yeah, it's very I love funny. it. I'm very, I'm very much <laughs> blushing right now, which is a good place to be. 
Um, <laughs> yeah. Rajani, thank you for your book. It's wonderful. Thank you for sharing with me and for sharing it with all of us. Um, and, and just all the things that we said tonight together, but all those things that, that I've been feeling that, um, that have gotten to be just mine, that have stuck with me while reading Mimi's story, um, that, that have made me see you in new ways and respect you even more deeply than I have before. Uh, I, I love the writer that you are and I can't wait to read what comes next. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being in my life. Oh, thank you, Matthew. It's a delight to talk to you over Indian food or over the internet. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do both. <laughs> so um, I'm going to close this way. I will see a library full of children tomorrow morning. Is there a message that I can bring to them from you? My message is that your stories matter. And I'm not just talking about um, stories that you may write, although some of them may write stories. It's also the stories that you sing and that you play and that you draw and that you, um, you know, enact on a field um, because we're all telling each other and ourselves stories all the time. And whether that's, um, you know, the story that you tell your friends or the one that you tell yourself when you look in the mirror or the one that you whisper to yourself at night when you go to sleep, every bit of that matters. And um, I just hope that they find the way that they want to express their stories to the world because the world is listening. Children's Book Podcast is recorded and produced by me, Matthew Winner, in my library studio in Ellicott City, Maryland. You can subscribe to the podcast and access the archive of over 550 episodes at matthewcwinner.com slash podcast. Our theme music is by Poddington Bear, care of the Free Music Archive. All views and opinions expressed on the show are those of the individuals and do not reflect the ideas or viewpoints of the publishers of the books referenced. Want to help out the show? Writing a review on iTunes or sharing the podcast with friends through Facebook, Twitter, word of mouth, or any other means helps reach more listeners, which leads to more content and more amazing guests. And that's a very good thing indeed. We know you value what you put in front of your kids, especially when it comes to screens and podcasts. That's why we're excited to share a new podcast from our friends at Sleepiest, creating bedtime stories to help your kids fall asleep fast. Hello, Abby here. If you've got children and find bedtimes a struggle, I'd like to tell you about Coco Sleep, a children's story podcast designed to make bedtime a dream. Coco Sleep turns a chaotic bedtime into cosy bonding time. The stories are delivered in a pace that gently slows. Rumour has it that no one's ever heard an ending. So search Coco Sleep on your favourite podcast app and let's make bedtime a dream. That's K-O-K-O Sleep and I'll see you there.